Good morning, Dennis. Good evening, Mashi. Um, my turn today, huh? It is. Let's hear it. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I wanted to talk about learning. And the and we talked a little bit yesterday about how, I'm not sure if that was live or not, about um, how we chose our quotes. Where I, I picked concepts I wanted to talk about and then went and found quotes about them. Whereas you mm-hmm. found quotes that you were believed in or thought were interesting and tried to pull concepts out of them. Which is, it's, just, it's just funny that we both had the same task and we came at it from different angles. Two, two things, Dennis. One, that was on the podcast because two, we were live the whole time. Well, that's we were true. Live, we were always live. So we, we never, never weren't live, baby. Never weren't live. Anyway, yeah. the zo- the Zoom sync with um with with LinkedIn live stream feature is 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 fuzzy around the edges. Um, now I want to talk about um learning. So the quote I picked is a Winston Churchill quote, which says, "I'm always ready to learn, but I don't always like being taught." But there is an idiom that my dad would say to me, um, in a much stronger and much more in Croatian accent. Um, which is nobody ever learned a lesson by watching another man get whipped, which is uh, the same the same sort of angle. So um, I want to talk about the importance of trying to learn without having to make mistakes yourself necessarily. Mm. I, that's interesting because I feel like you've drawn the wrong conclusion from your father's quote. Interesting. What's your conclusion? I mean, you have to embrace failure because that's how you learn. Uh, my, fa- my My father used to oft quote uh, Bill Scanlon, my grandfather, who unfortunately I was never, <clears throat> he, he, he wasn't around when I, when I popped out. So I didn't get a chance to meet him. But uh, when I would get in trouble, when I would get grounded, when I would be um, punished uh, as, uh, as a boy, uh, a young child and a young man uh, in my high school days, my father would always say, son, you're learning a lesson right now. And the important thing is you never pay for the same lesson twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that, so what I always drive from that is, you know, failure is okay, but because I do, I, I am a strong, Sasso and I were just talking about this, strong believer that failure is the best teacher, mm-hmm. not success. Success is a horrible teacher. And I do think um, that's a bit of what Churchill is getting at. And that's a hundred percent what, you know, your father is getting at, in my opinion. I don't think so. The way, the way I always interpreted that was I interpreted as saying it's all well and good to, um, try and learn from learning from somebody else or from watching other people's examples or from reading a book or from studying something. But the most powerful lessons are only from your own personal experience and failure. And they, and they cut much deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, but then your, your, your thrust here is how to learn from other people's. Well, I, I'd like to challenge that quote a little bit because I, okay. I, I think it's possible. I think you can avoid some potholes and a couple of whippings you don't want to, if you play your cards. You right. can avoid the whipping. You can avoid exactly. the whipping. Okay. Um, so like in my personal life, I think I've, and, and, and professional life, when I, when I say personal life, I've just been relating to me. Um, I have always, it's very, I, I do struggle sometimes to put myself in other people's shoes, right? And think how, how I would play things, how I, in terms of like, you know, achieving something, how I would have done things differently, yada, yada. Because um, I'm very much a fly by the seat of my pants, figure things out kind of person. Um, and it's weird, it's difficult for me to imagine how I would have, encounter a scenario because I don't know until I encounter it a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't jive easily with learning by studying somebody else necessarily, because I can't even say now, how would I have done that? And the answer is, because the answer is, I don't know. That's funny. I can answer that question for you. I've worked with you long enough. What's the, what was your answer? Uh, it, 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 this, this, this is, this is, this is going to get interesting here. I'm a very different take on what you just said about having worked with you and known you for so long. I think you, um, I don't think you struggle with empathy as much as you've just said, but I think where I would say, and this is straight from the Mashi scam and John Sasso's tree of struggles with empathy, empathy. And I, I would, I would actually enlarge it to a lot of our senior management team, Ryan Darris, Jessica Keller, um, a lot of the leaders we have in the company. 
Um, the empathy, we struggle with the empathy because this is how you would handle it, Dennis. You'd run headlong into it. I mean, I don't understand how you could even question that. Fly by the seat of your pants already. I, I think you anticipated that a bit, but I've worked with you a lot, a lot, okay? And when you ask, if you were to approach a situation, so how would Dennis Straniak um, handle that? At work, it's very clear what you would do is run headlong into it and probably figure out a loose plan. Have to yeah, ready, ready, three, shoot, aim. Two steps in, right? But my point is, um, where that creates problems with empathy is when you're able to get your head down and say, "Up it, I'm gonna punch it in the face, and I'm gonna figure it out on the way because I don't have time. I've got to get this done." That that creates a short circuit in empathy when others around you aren't doing it. Mm. That is the struggle when you say, "I don't understand. I'm I'm a hundred feet in. Why are you still at the starting line?" A very Get common frustration that I've had in my, um, in my, in, in a lot of my professional uh, life, you know, even before I worked at Farball and since I worked at Farball, is that um, I find that I get frustrated when people don't progress when everybody's about 85% aligned. I'm like, mm -hmm. this is good enough. We can carry on and fine tune later. Um, and I know there's value in having everybody on the same page and, you know, charting the map perfectly before you set sail. But I think that the, I think people are, wrong about how much value they place in that last 15 percent, and that's an opportunity I mean, it could be 10 it could be 20 or whatever well this is this is another wonderful quote but we've strayed a bit from churchill but there's an oft said business quote um which is a life quote which i, I think about all the time um with some of my friends who are very meticulous which is the perfect is the enemy of the good it is and it i think really is and I, I i i strongly believe that and i mean a lot of the things you see in business nowadays about moving towards more agile frameworks and things like that are about about less focusing on documentation, making everything perfect, and trying to get valuable things out the door. And I, I do firmly believe in that. Um, and I think there is a fear. I mean, it's a very natural, very human to have a fear of the unknown. And um, I think having, I think people obsess too much about that original line. And that's something I learned from you as well. Is we would be discussing something, and you'd say, "We're close enough. We can. I'm not willing to die on the cell. We can move on." Yeah, and I think that. Um... It's not, I don't even think it's necessarily a fear of the unknown, as you've said, where you get the paroxysms of the perfect and animated good. It's the fear of being wrong. We right. have a society, a business culture, a personal culture, a culture, and I'll speak to the US because I'm American. You can see it from grade school, having gone to school here. And I, you know, I can only I can only speak about schooling here. Sure. But the way we bring children up in our society here, the way that we progress as adults here, the way business and jobs and everything works here, we don't aim for the good. We don't aim for being right. We aim for not being wrong because being wrong is the biggest sin. Being wrong is the failure. So you you know what? You'd rather wait on that two plus two equation forever than risk putting five or three, right? It's not about trying to get it right. It's about trying not to get it wrong. And that and ties that. back to what we talked about failure. If, fa if you start viewing failure as an important teacher, um, failure is an asset, right? Um, Facebook have like that whole um, mantra they have about moving fast and breaking things, where if you're not, if things aren't breaking and things aren't collapsing sometimes, it means you're not pushing the envelope enough. Exactly. Um, I love and and I, I do believe that. But I, and I, I think people... And it's it's tricky, you know, if you're if you're in, if you're in management roles and if you're in a if you're in a large organization, things like that, because you have to try trying to measure performance of employees and departments and projects. Um, you need some things will have to be failures, but I think focusing on learning from them instead of even focusing on how they became failures is less important. And I think encouraging it, encouraging it. We had a new hire uh, for social media on the team here, 
Uh, and you, you, Dennis and I worked together for many years and you're familiar with a team like Rachel Gillette and Weeks. And one of the things I've always tried to get across to them and what I very candidly said to our new hire is like, if you are not making some mistakes, if I'm not pulling you back from going too far, or if I'm not pulling you aside at some point, or Gillette's not pulling you aside at some point, say, like, hey, actually, no, that's, that's, we're not doing that. If you're not seeing some measure of that, you're not doing your job. You're not, you're not pushing it. You're not making those mistakes. Now, and, and I, 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 I think you know me. It's not like I'm like, Dennis, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Hey, okay, okay, okay. We went a little bit far on that one. Light we hand, light hand. We got to pull you know. But I, I, I do think that that's, that's the way it works. That's oh. the way it works. That's the way you learn. And it's especially true when it comes to marketing. Like when I worked there, there are many marketing ads and videos that we made that never saw the light of day. So many things that James and I sent you that were remember, Haha, this is amazing, deleted immediately. It's like, okay, yeah. cool, no problem. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's not even a failure. I mean, even like there's there have been plenty of projects that we tried at Channel Fireball that didn't pan out or didn't work the way we wanted them to or had some horrific mistake that Ryan Darris would, you know, have some, get some blood pressure points over down the line. Um, and those are okay. It's never, it's like you said, never pay for the same lesson twice and never get whipped for the same lesson twice, I guess. Um, but coming back to what I said about learning from others, do you think it's possible to learn as much from reading about or, or seeing somebody do something as, as it is to learn it from doing it yourself? No, no hesitation, okay. unqualified. No, I mean, it depends. Uh, the quadratic equation. Sure. Right. Uh, okay. You yeah. know, but when you when you talk about um, be, and and I mean that because we don't we read about people's failures, uh, but more often than not, when we're studying, we read about people's successes, mm -hmm. and that's that's the other trap, right? Is we as a culture we tend to study successes. You know, it's 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 the successful entrepreneurs who write the books that we read about, and they write about their successes. Then their third or fourth book, or their you know halfway you know a, a year into their podcast, they start discussing their failures. But that's that's the fruit you want to harvest. Because the success is, there's no, I, I, you know, there's no roadmap to success. I don't, you know, there's, there's habits you form, there's things you engage in that you hope will get you to the next level, in my opinion. But by God, there's a roadmap to failure. You know, get out of bed, get it done, start motion. If you don't do certain things, you will fail. And what, when I say like, you can't learn um, from other people's lessons as well. I don't think, you know, success is a horrible teacher even when it's your success, it's a terrible teacher. Mm -hmm. When you're reading about other people's successes, now it's like once or twice removed, it's an even worse teacher. So well, yeah, that's, I, what, that's what that Gladwell book Outlier is about. You know, it's trying to figure out, oh, Bill Gates is this amazing, successful guy. Why? What hidden opportunities or advantages or luck did he have? And look, there is a certainly a massive skill, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but being able to capitalize on those opportunities. You know, God closes the door, opens a window. You need to be able to climb out the open window when the time comes. That's definitely true. And there's plenty of amazing decisions and intelligence you make along the way. But there is an element of invisible luck. And what there is even more than that is an element of invisible learnings from failures is when approaching an opportunity going, I'm not going to do this because one time I did this and it didn't work out. And another time, did it, or another time I saw Mosh do this and it didn't work out. All that stuff is behind the scenes. Like you said, that does not make it to the New York Times article. And I think that's, that's the real, that's the real, like I said, so that's the real fruit you want to harvest. But the other thing is when you are, when you're running on other people's guidelines, I'm not doing this because Dennis said it was a bad idea. He did it. Um, when I start running on those rails, I'm no longer doing, taking action because I've really truly well considered what the consequences of that action are. When you're, when you have someone in your circle of trust or a roadmap you're following, you're doing it because that's what they told you to do. You're mm -hmm. doing it because that's what the roadmap said. not hey, I've weighed the consequences of this and now I fully have, uh, internalized and understand what the risks are here. 
<laughs> and that's problematic. It's great. It's fine. Great. Follow that roadmap. It's someone you trust. Follow their advice. Don't make the mistake. I'm not encouraging you to do that. But you ask me point blank, do I think you can learn from other people's lessons as well as your own experience? And always the answer to me will be an unqualified no. It just doesn't work that way. I saw a clip. I think it might have been in. Do you ever, do you ever see those on um, those chicken shop date videos? Louis Theroux's done one and stuff like that, and all these rappers have done them and stuff like that. It's a goofy little YouTube series where um, Solomon interviews people in like a chip shop. Um, and one of the questions she asked one time was, um, "Are you more interested in how or why?" And I think that's a very, very short and simple, but very, very deep Love it. question. And what you're talking about is why, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily how. How is plain to see it a lot of the time. Why is more important? I think, I mean, when we talk about outliers and you talk about um, all, when we have these, when we have these lessons we're trying to learn from other people, all we ever really pick up, I think, and this is, maybe this is actually, I I feel like maybe you just hit it on the head. I got it. I'm on my feet here. I haven't thought about it, but all those books, everything we see, all the advice we get, that's the, that's the how what's missing and what the secret sauce is in outliers and in, in that drive that people have is the why that drive to be the best, that passion for something you have. That's the why. And the how can change from people, you know, taking 10,000 shots or 10,000 golf swings. That's a how, but do you have it in you to do that? Do you have it in you to do that? And if you do, why? What's the why? What's driving you to do that? And that's the important part. It's and that's not, not even something just, anyone else can identify for you. It's not even just that. The how, like uh, I, my interpretation of that is as well, as well as, oh, how did, how is X, pers- X business person or X professional athlete successful? It's like, oh, they did this. They went to this school. They practiced this. They got drafted this team. They did this, yada, yada, yada. Um, the, the why is what decisions did they make in their brain? What experiences did they draw on? What knowledge did they have? Did they have a, you know, be it, be it a mentor, be it they, their brother used to tackle them like this. So they did the, whatever. Um, that stuff is the juicy stuff. And that stuff is individual and very hard to track down. It, it, and, that you will, and, 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 and that you will never learn from watching somebody else. And yeah, nobody can, nobody can find that, but you, that's an internal journey. So um, can I, can I, I we're, we're going to be short on time here. Can I drop you with the only Winston Churchill quote? I Punch kind it. of know, I don't even, this might be apocryphal. I don't know. A woman approaches him as he's entering parliament and says to him, you know, Mr. Churchill, you're drunk. And his response is, in the morning, dear lady, I will be sober, but you will still be ugly. <laughs> That's the man you're quoting. Look, I mean, hey, look, I have a lot of lot of reservations with Mr. Churchill. A hundred percent of things, not hundred percent, but many things he's done I disagree with. I think this quote about learning is a good one. And on that, good morning, Machi, I guess. And, and a good evening to you, Dennis. I will see you tomorrow morning for more. See you tomorrow.